0: Welcome to the ProfServe Traction Podcast, dedicated to exploring how professional services and technology businesses break through the ceiling. Here's your host, Steve Prada. Good day, listeners. Uh, Today's episode is titled Why Serving Your Clients is a Disservice. And this topic is really important, I believe, for leaders of professional service businesses because we tend to fall into the trap where we feel that because we are the face of the company because we have the most knowledge in our field in the company which often happens especially for fledgling organizations we get into the habit of selling ourselves and not trying to sell our colleagues and then over time we feel that the reason clients come to us is because of us because we are personally responsible for delivering the service to them. They are hiring us personally rather than our business. And uh, over time, that becomes a really difficult trap to get out of, especially as we build, start to build the organization. There are other people, there is overhead, and we feel like they cannot take a risk of uh, upsetting a client because then it could hurt our brand and so on. So I'd like to dig into this concept because early in my career, I did uh, make that mistake of uh, building the business around myself. And I, at the time, I felt good about it. Uh, it, it felt like uh, an amplification of my knowledge through my people. And I thought it was a great thing. I was the face of the business. you know, My face was on the newsletter of the business. And I was kind of proud of you know, being sought out by, by our clients and they were looking to talk to me and, and I felt good about it personally, but really for the business, it wasn't such a great thing. So what happens to us, uh, and I believe to many of you who are running a professional service firm, is as you grow the firm, you, you kind of wear all the hats. So you are promoting the business. You are closing business for your company. You are um, managing uh, the process. You're managing the people and the projects. You are quality controlling the projects. You are the person who is in charge of making sure uh, no mistakes uh, get through. You are doing all the firefighting when something goes wrong. Then you jump in and you do it yourself to make sure everything is okay. Uh, Often you execute the project because you're the one who has the most knowledge and the client both uh, you know the brains, uh, your brains essentially, and you, you know, you feel compelled to give the client the best possible quality of a product or service, and then you're going to deliver it yourself, and then you administer all that stuff. So you're wearing all these hats: so what one, two, six, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, seven hats you may be wearing as a as a business owner founder. And I'm here to tell you that. This is not the way to live. This is not gonna this is going to be a major ceiling for you that's going to prevent you from growing your business. So what I what I have found when I was growing my own investment banking advisory business that it was really difficult to let go of of some of these these tasks and the easiest to let go was the administration of the business. But even that was pretty difficult because I was very particular about things. I you want know, to make sure that we have all our ducks in a row and uh, we were communicating well uh, to clients who called the office. Uh, we had to be on top of our cash flow. So it took me some time to find a really good administrative assistant who would take that stuff off my shoulders. Actually I counted, I think I went through six administrative assistants until I found the one that then stuck around for many years with me who, who could really handle me, I guess, and, and all the demands of the business. So that was, that, that was still the easiest to uh, delegate. Then the second one was the executing transactions. That was the second most difficult to delegate. Basically, it required me to grow people who I could trust to be able to deliver the documentation for investment banking deals, uh, financial modeling, and uh, you know, writing uh, info memos and, and what we call books. So that took me some time to find the right people and then to grow them, to teach them our way of doing business and then to grow into the role. But that happened relatively quickly. So within the first two years, I already had three or four people that I could delegate parts of the business to. Then the third one, the big barrier was actually quality control because I was always fretting that our financial model, we made a mistake and then the variation of the company is gonna be all wrong. So I was always focused on, okay, making sure that everything is right. So whenever an info memo was done, I went through line by line, made millions of corrections then gave it back to my my colleagues. And then uh, the next uh, draft, same thing happened. It was terribly tedious and frustrating work. And with financial modeling, it was even worse because at least, when you read a document, you see what's wrong with it. But with the financial model, you have to really dig into Excel and to figure out what's going on. And that was very, very stressful. And as a result of me doing the quality control, it kind of gave my people permission to not do the quality control because they knew that I was going to find some faults with it anyway. So they might as well not do the hard work of doing the final 5% of the work, which we all know is the most difficult. So I just ended up with, the, with that stuff. And the way I got rid of that, first of all, I created some process. So when people were writing a document, uh, there were a checklist that they had to follow and make, to make sure that the, the sentences are written the same way, that there are no repeating words, that there are synonyms used, that we have direct sentences, that we are not using exaggerating adjectives. We had the, kind of a list of a writing list and they had to go through their checklist to make sure that they gave me a document that was as good as they could get. The second thing I did was, the second big milestone for me was when I could let go of the financial modeling. And basically I got to a point where I said, I think you can do this and I'm going to put you on the spot. So this time I'm not going to review your financial model. We're going to present it to the company on Wednesday and you're going to bring it and you're going to present it if there's a mistake we going to figure out how to save the situation. I'm gonna jump into save the situation, but it's gonna be your face on the line with the client. And when that happened, then suddenly there was a tectonic shift. My colleague was was Laszlo, his name was Laszlo, and before you know he was send me a dog had sent me the model maybe eight PM and then I was staying up half the night to make sure everything was right. As soon as I pulled the plug and decided to not look at it, then he stayed in until one or two a.m. in the morning to make sure everything was right because suddenly he was at, he was where the buck stopped. And from then on, I had no issues with the financial models. It went great. So that was the next step. And then to manage people. So that's another milestone. How do you uh, delegate management of people? So as we grew at the firm and we had hired some analysts and... Um, My colleagues who were analysts before, they got promoted to project manager. And then I started delegating management and that was an awesome step for me to step back. But there was still one big piece missing, which was actually selling, selling the services. I I was very afraid when we got a good lead, I felt like I had to do everything myself to make sure we don't lose that good lead and we convert it with a high chance. And I felt like, If I delegate that, then maybe we drop the ball or maybe, you know, my colleagues who don't have as much experience, they're not going to be as compelling. And the way we overcame that was that we sliced up the sale process. Initially, I was doing the whole presentation and the closing. And then over time, my colleagues started doing more and more of the presentation. And over time, I just withdrew and was present at the meeting and maybe opened the meeting and then help with the closing. And eventually I removed myself from the sales situation and they could close deals. And the reason it worked was because I realized that at some point, and I think that happens to us, when something becomes routine, we kind of start to wing it and we start to rely on our, on our routine or experience of delivering that piece of the, service, be it service or be it consulting or be it the selling itself, And we no longer stress about it, which means we no longer are using our paranoia to drive our zeal of getting every piece of information and getting into the mind of the client and emphasizing the client and mirroring and and doing everything that needs to be done for a good sale, um, sale to close. So what happened was when I started removing myself, yes, I took away some of the experience, some of the intuition that I had. But my colleagues who were growing into the role, they were super excited to succeed, they were laser focused on doing things right. And as a result, actually we closed more sales because our prospects felt our excitement and it's the excitement that actually is the most compelling about selling. So when they felt that we were really excited about helping them, and my colleagues were more excited at this stage than I was because for them it was a big uh, growing opportunity. Then we started closing actually more sales by me being out of the process. And the final piece is promoting the business. I think that's the last one that you want to give up because that's really where most of the creativity and experience, that's where, where this is the highest ability, the high, you know the unique ability that most business owners have is to be able to promote the business because you need the vision, you need the experience, you need the intuition, you need to uh, the communication skills, you need the passion, all that thing goes into promoting the business. But then you can start to delegate that as well. That's the real thing. That's when your business really becomes comes into its own and becomes an entity independent of yourself. That's when it becomes a self-managing business. And you can do this by creating uh, verticals inside the business and having people specialize on these individual verticals. So it could be around industry, uh, groups. So in my business, it, we had an engineering industry group, and we had uh, um, services, a business services in this industry group, and a health, healthcare group. So you you get people to invest into that specialty, and then become they become actually bigger expert in their niche than you are in, in the general area, and that's when they can start to communicate, write blogs, and uh, kind of be, become the face of of those areas, and then. Essentially, the whole business just transitions, and your brand is going to carry the load from there on. So, where does this lead us? How can you create that structure in an actually in a purposeful and strategic way? And this is where uh, traction, which is also in the name of this podcast, comes in. Traction or EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system. It's a really good process to follow. And basically, one of the first things that you do when you start EOS is you start uh, creating a structure and you start to define the major functions in the business that the business uh, depends on and in every business you have a sales and marketing function, you have an operating function and you have a finance slash administration function and many businesses have multiple functions and then you define the major roles for each of these functions. And then you figure out okay who is the right person for that function who can actually execute on each of those five roles so that's what i did in my firm we had we had a project management function and what you call the execution essentially project delivery we had a marketing function we had an administrative administration function we had a sales function we started defining the major ingredients to it and then i could train my people but already they were there so it was more about creating the opening for them so that they can feel that opening and then take ownership of each function and then run with the ball. So that's, that's, the, uh, that's one of the ingredients. The other ingredient is really giving the direction. And another tool EOS has, we call it the Vision Traction Organizer, which is a very simple way of approaching what your vision is, what your vision and plan is Essentially, by answering eight simple questions, you can create alignment across the organization around the vision and the plan where the organization is going long-term and how it's gonna get there. And then you break it down to short-term milestones as well. So by answering the eight questions and having everyone understand what the answer to the eight questions are, you are actually creating that clear direction. So when, when people know what the big, hairy audacious goal for you, what is the objective, where do you want to get in three years' time? Which is we call the three-year picture. And then what is your one-year plan and your quarterly major themes, your quarterly rocks. And then they have their function with the roles defined. So they know exactly what is expected of them and what where they have to put their focus. Then suddenly you have people who are then going to put all their energies into building the business for you. So if you are struggling of letting go of functions in your business and you are the person who promotes the business, who sells, who manages, who does the quality control, who does the firefighting, who executes and who administers, or if you do more than one of these, then I recommend you take a look at EOS. You can, uh, you know, the best thing to do is to read uh, Gino Wickman's traction. Or you can go on my website and check out tractionactivacom You can download the first chapter of Traction and other books in the EOS library. You can also sign up for one of uh, my upcoming webinars. And I have a webinar every week. So it's a free webinar. Uh, feel free to sign up and visit with us. And you know, learn about EOS. So every week I speak about the tools and... Um, and US, and give you an overview of how it works or just, you know, surf around on my website. There's plenty of uh, information. I wrote a couple of books about my experiences when I was building my own professional service business. You're welcome to download those, which are free and I'm working on another book, which I'm very excited about that's gonna be come to the market later this year. I don't want to speak about it yet because it's still in the editing phase, but I'll uh, tell you a little bit more later on the show. So that was it for today. I hope you found this discussion useful. So why serving your clients is a disservice? Well, I left the most important for last. So when you are actually wearing all those hats, you may think that your clients are grateful for you for, for the personal attention. But actually the opposite is true. Your clients are going to feel concerned that how are you going to sustain serving them when you are serving all the other clients and you're doing every piece of the business yourself. It's just not credible that you can do it. They know that that you cannot do it. They are business owners as well, and they know how it works. So you actually are going to be much better off if you delegate most of the work and be there for your clients to be pulled in when there is a big idea, there's a big question where we really need your expertise. And if you delegate, then you free up your mental capacities to address those issues. And so there is a quote that Gino Wickman uh, likes to say, which uh, actually comes from the founder of Four Seasons Hotel, which is by systemizing the predictable, we can humanize the exceptional. So that's what you can do. You can humanize the exceptional, you can be there for your client. Many years ago, I was working for a big uh, commercial bank, which was in trouble. It was making glasses, and they, the owners brought in a new CEO, who was actually a, a very seasoned uh, CEO chairman of uh, some medium-sized French banks. His name was Bernard Yoncourt and he was, he was in his early 60s. And he started leading the company and he realized that there were a lot of things that needed to be changed. And he also wanted to seek out the advice of the managing partner of McKinsey & Company, who had been advising OTP, which was the biggest bank in the market in Hungary at the time. So he hired McKinsey, McKinsey did a project. And then he asked the partner on the project to somehow arrange a meeting with the uh, managing partner who was actually the acting partner on that uh, big competitor bank's uh, business. And they had been using McKinsey for many years at that point. So the, he had a wealth of experience. There was a conflict of interest. So that partner, he could not be uh, the partner for my bank uh, our bank, but nevertheless, he agreed to a meeting to talk in general. And the meeting kind of started off awkwardly because of the, the conflict. But then, but then somehow, Bernard managed to break the ice and then he pulled out some cigars and these guys started smoking some cigars and the managing partner opened up and he kind of spilled the beans. He shared a lot of details about what worked uh, at this other bank, what were the best practices. And essentially, he was there for the real valuable stuff. So we hired McKinsey, we paid him $300,000. But I think the real value actually came from uh, the discussion that was had in this smoke filled room with the boss who actually shared the big experience, but he could not have done that if he had been active on this project himself. So you are, if you are serving your clients directly in the nitty gritty, you are doing them a disservice. You are doing the greatest service if you build a team around you, they serve your clients, and then you are there for your client to give them those golden nuggets that only you can give them. So that's it uh, for today. I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, I look forward to talking to you very, very soon. This was the Serve Traction Podcast with Steve Prada. To learn how your professional services or technology business could break through the ceiling with EOS, visit TractionEquity.com.